Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. This alliance is like, wait a minute. What did we just sign up for? No wonder we didn't sign a contract. Pete It's Alabama and everybody else. And that can change, and I hope it changes, because that's no fun, but that's where we are. With SI's Pat Forty. Let me own this up front. My picks were terrible, but the worst, the most irredeemably stupid pick I have ever made. <laughs> and Pete called me on it, and Pete was right. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, welcome to Pod. We're taping this late. Or early Monday morning. I don't know what we're doing. One eighteen a.m. Monday. Because we had to wait and watch and see what happened with uh, Florida State Notre Dame. And it was nothing was happening. It was just going along. Notre Dame was leading by like 18 points and looking pretty good. Then they started getting a little shaky. And then Jordan Travis, seminal quarterback's helmet popped off. It was uh, a, a faulty chin strap. Changed the course of everything, particularly this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, it did. In comes Mackenzie Milton. Uh, at one point, doctors, you know, talked about not having a leg anymore. And he's actually playing quarterback for Florida State. He comes in for one play, makes a beautiful pass. Mike Norville just decides, the hell, we're going with it. He switches quarterbacks because the helmet came off. <laughs> then there's a shuttle pass. There's uh, it's everything. Florida State comes storming back. Ties the game. Notre Dame's got a shot to to get it. Michael Meyer, probably they're that they're 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 calling him baby Gronk, which I hate. That's a bad term, but their big tight end drops the pass. Social media accuses the ghost of Bobby Bowden for being out there to break it up. <laughs> this is where we're at in this game. It's gone that crazy. Yeah. Oh, and social media wasn't done there. No, no, okay. this is where it's still we're building up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We go to overtime. Pass that looked like a fumble, but then was ruled a pass. But then should have been should have been grounding because he passed it to nobody to avoid a sack. But whatever, the refs are all confused. They rule it. Up, they get they they push him back. Uh, Ryan Fitzgerald, that's the that's the uh, kicker. He gets pushed back. He has to take a fifty yarder. Right as they snap it, Florida State calls timeout. But he ends up kicking this knuckleball hero shot through for fifty. But Timeout has uh, ended it. They they review the play. They they decide it's an incomplete pass, but they forget about the the grounding. I, I mean, I don't even know what that, all that ruling is. 
It, it would have been a career long by seven yards for that. By seven. Too. They yeah. move him closer. He's kicking now uh, back up. I think it was 33 yards. Is that it? I don't know. It was, you know, 33, 35. It was, it was certainly inside of 40. But he's in the dreaded left, left hash mark, which is like, you know, it's just tough. Uh, and so he blows that one and misses it. And then Notre Dame ends up winning the game. It's kind of an anticlimactic. Notre Dame gains two yards, kicks it in. And then just when you think, ah, it's kind of boring final of a great game, Brian Kelly makes an execution joke. I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Hell of a football coach. Not really known for his comedy. There's some guys that are funny, funny football coaches. Don't, yeah. don't, not with Brian. So other than that, nothing happened on Monday, <laughs> yeah. Sunday, whatever we're doing. Yeah, that's all. We already had an entire weekend of all hell breaking loose that we were all excited to talk about. And then Florida State and Notre Dame just wiped 60% of it <laughs> off the books. Hell of a sport. Everything was there. Yeah. Paranormal activity alleged. <laughs> <laughs> Executions potential. <laughs> Twitter, of course, flips out. Yeah, yeah and medical miracles. Yeah. I mean, there really was a lot happening. Twitter is mad at Brian Kelly because it's Matt always mad. Said he was just joking. He was. It was a uh, it was John McKay line. John McKay, one of John McKay's many funny lines. That one was, I think, a setup with the reporter. I'm you sure. Describe your ex, your, your thoughts on the execution of your team. He said, "I'm in favor of it." That was how it came out. It was very <laughs> funny. Brian Kelly tried to beat. He tried to do the the setup and the. It was just a. It was a disaster. <laughs> wrong time, wrong place, but whatever. Won the game. Pete, you were there. What the hell's going on down there? Well, I missed the execution because, you know, sometimes when you're in the uh, in the press box, you have no idea what's actually happening on TV. And so everybody's overreacting to something. You have no idea what happened. And I really missed the ending because I sprinted out of the press box to go try to find McKenzie, McKenzie Milton's family and ended up in their section watching the game at the end. He had 78 people with him uh, wow. to, to witness his comeback. Some from Hawaii, wow. a doctor from Minneapolis from the Mayo Clinic, his barber from Orlando, his girlfriend, some family and friends from Atlanta. I mean, they had a teeming, vibrant section. And uh, yeah, those are interviews that like I'll remember for the rest of my career. Uh, you know, his mom in tears saying it's a miracle. His dad was just so gracious and so composed. And he referred to the obviously the near catastrophic injury Milton had in 2018 as Black Friday and talked about how really McKenzie's been able to use his comeback from that injury to help inspire other people. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a powerful moment after the first snap after he played. And he obviously threw that dime like a 22 yard uh, completion. They said the whole family missed the second play because they were just so overcome with emotion from this and celebrating so hard the moment that they didn't know what happened. They, they, they briefly missed what happened, uh, what happened next. But it was it was just a surreal scene. It's like this muggy, steamy South Florida night. And I, I waited until the game ended, obviously, to go over to uh, talk to him. And, you know, like the fans are filing out. You, you guys have been in a lot of saves. It smells like stale beer. And you just have these people just so overcome by uh, b by what happened. And certainly there was some disappointment that Florida State lost. But there was definitely a win for, for the Millens after three years and all that. Incredible story. Just, I mean, it's so awesome. I, I, I went down there in August of 2019 
and did a story with him. And he was great and talked to his mom forever. And mom, wonderful, very emotional woman. And he came, he got off a golf cart and came walking into where we were meeting. And I was watching him walking in. And he is limping, you know, with his knee wrapped up and everything. And he's like, like, I'm looking at him. This is August 2019. I'm like, that kid is never playing football again. Let, I mean, it's, there's just no way, you know, but he said, yeah, he said, I'm going to play. And you know, I think I was like, okay, sure. Mackenzie, whatever, you know, not, not really humoring him, but like, you know, okay. But nobody believed it. And then for him to come all the way back and not just play, but to get thrown in on a whim in a game that's on the line and to perform the way he did? Are you kidding me? Dude hasn't played in three years. And he steps in and he's hitting passes. He's scrambling. He, his best play may have been when he picked up a bad snap and threw it away, which would have ended the game probably. I mean, I was just, I, I was almost, I was actually like choked up a little bit watching it, I guess, because I had been around him and his mom. I was just like, I, you know, never could have believed he could have gotten this far. And so what a tremendous, wonderful story that is, just in, in its own silo, outside of the other silos that have grown up around this crazy-ass game. How about uh, that shovel yeah. pass? That oh, shovel oh, pass phenomenal. was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. just like, yeah, that, was... that play, the, the, the moxie, the, the gamesmanship, that it, the guile of, yes. of that play, uh, even the one where there was the bad snap and he, he just scooped it, turned, and, and hucked it away, or else they're, they're not even getting overtime. Um, you just saw what a winner it was, but I like he wasn't going to play. Yeah, that, he wasn't playing. Seventy-eight people were there. He wasn't going to play, right? And so that's what like did I, Mike Norvell? I is a, seems like a very smart coach, and he's watched this kid, you know, all the way through spring and everything. He probably had a pretty good idea what he had. Did he just think he couldn't do it or what? Like, because he steps in, you're like, well, why wasn't he playing the whole time? You know? Well, credit Norvell for just not yanking him after the first play. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of coaches would have just been like, we're going back to our guy. And look, Jordan Travis obviously gives you a dual threat that that Milton doesn't. I had breakfast with Norvell at ACC Media Days, and we talked about Milton for, for most of it. And... He was very clear that Milton had been a transformative player in their program just in terms of culture, the way he approached every day, his work ethic. He's won something nuts, like 27 consecutive starts. Like the number is like crazy town. Um, I'm going to have to look that up uh, before I call him tonight. But there's there's just like there's an aura about that kid that's a winner that makes you think, okay, he could actually go be inserted in this just cauldron of a game with impossible odds in, you know, I'm really darn close to pulling off a uh, pulling off a comeback. I missed Norvell because I was with his family. So I didn't I didn't get a sense of the quarterback battle. Norvell kept it pretty guarded as to who would end up starting. But I uh, I, I just have to think that I, I, I don't want to I don't want to speak for him because I don't, I don't know what he uh, what he said. And you, you just you wonder how healthy he's been. You know, like that's that's certainly just it, with that kind of injury. I mean, he did not look particularly mobile. Is that fair? You know, I'm up in yeah. the press box, thirty thousand feet. Was that 
Is that the way it looked on? It was uh, hard to tell whether he wasn't mobile or I was just watching through my hands. Like, please don't hit him. Right. (laughs) Please don't sack this kid. He ran twice and both times I'm like, oh, my God, don't run. Yeah, get down, get down. And look, everybody was nervous about Mackenzie Milton, except Mackenzie Milton. (laughs) He was fine. Like they yeah. sh- they throw the shots of the family in the stands and the mom's bawling her eyes out and the dad's like ah right and and then he's just out there like yeah I'm playing man of course yeah this is what I do and that's uh, what he said he said it felt like three years ago yeah just back out there I wonder Pat if some of the calculus was Florida State now their offensive line did run block decent tonight so I don't want to completely eviscerate one of the most scrutinized position groups in college football the last six seven years. But they are not exactly a stout pass-blocking unit. And you wonder if some of his lack of mobility combined with the the need to scramble by necessity played into that at all. Could be. Could well be. I, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm not saying he needs to be the starter or anything like that. And one thing that was very cool was seeing he and Travis come together on the sideline, you know, after Milton was out there. And Travis was, like, very excited for him. You know, I mean – you can find a lot of quarterbacks who can at least say some fake things of like, yeah, I was really, you know, I'm happy for the guy that replaced me or whatever. He looked like somebody who was legitimately happy for Milton to have that moment. So I don't know what they do going forward, but uh, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And Dan, like to your point of just flat winner, like you look at Scott Frost with Mackenzie Milton and you look at Scott Frost without Mackenzie Milton, I'm not saying he was the whole reason at UCF, but there's a pretty big difference. That's <laughs> significant. 12 and 0, 13 and 0 with him. 13 and, and uh, 0. Yeah, not so good without him. All right. For Notre Dame, good win. I mean, 25 like straight starts, by the way. 25 straight. Okay. 25. Um, good win for Notre Dame. You get out of you get out of Tallahassee with a win, take it. Yeah, I think we've been mixed on how good they'll be, and I still have no idea. We'll see. They get Toledo and Purdue next. They'll have the Wisconsin-Cincinnati back-to-back, and and uh, the schedule really does not look very good at the end. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to all these teams, that, but like Navy, Georgia Tech, and Stanford <laughs> look particularly horrible this weekend. Yes. <laughs> so if Notre Dame gets the November, there's SC, Carolina, you know, we'll see. I, this is not turning out to be the schedule that it often is for, for Notre Dame. Even that Wisconsin game, they lost. So anyway, plenty of time talking Wisconsin. The the execution joke, uh, is uh, does anyone think this is anything other? Uh, I mean, I'll give my opinion. It's just people on Twitter flipping out, not knowing, overreacting, pretending they're... Well, first of all, he said maybe they're, they should be executed, which anybody <laughs> could say. It's like what Kyle Shannon said. I don't know if anyone on anyone will be alive on Earth in two days. Let alone, <laughs> remember he said that? We, we made it, Kyle. We One made of it. the great lines ever. <laughs> <laughs> will Jimmy Garoppolo be your quarterback in on Sunday? I don't know if anyone on Earth will be alive on Sunday. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't, you I'm know, hoping we're uh, alive long enough for Sully to produce this anyway, podcast. Anyone offended by Brian yes. Kelly's joke? No. I mean, as I you said, Dan, like if if you're looking to be offended, if you know, here in the in the era of performative outrage, you know, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> this is honestly, I, I I could almost you could almost write a whole column on 
a line that was celebrated as hilarious in the 1970s. And now people are like, oh, my God, he said what? He's going to kill you his know? team. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that. That's what was good. That's really. Yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. a guy who just went through the. the. I mean, do you know how? I mean, I, I'm not excusing these coaches, but do you know how mentally draining an overtime football game is to coach? <laughs> yeah. When you've blown an 18 point lead. Played, played, played basically the bowl they of clam quarterbacks. chowder they in August people, or September. Whoa, 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 right in your ear all day. There's a dude on a horse with a flaming spear ready to shoot <laughs> everything. And then they're like, what? and he tries to, I mean, come on. I mean, really? Just, I'm offended. Well, maybe yeah. they should get executed. We don't know what they did. <laughs> By Sunday, they could have committed all sorts of crimes. I mean, <laughs> it's the death penalty in, in, in Indiana. I don't know. But, I mean, come on. Honest People's court. We're not going to execute the team, and we're not going to execute Brian Kelly execute for joking about executing Twitter the team. And all the little bloggers out there aggregated into outrage. Uh, the outrage meter. Yes. I don't know. Pete, are you upset? If you are, no, I'll give but you I credit for standing I, up and saying I'm outraged after Pat and I crap on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's, you didn't it's, even hear yeah. it. Brian Kelly's like a sarcastic guy from the Northeast. That's sort of like that can get misinterpreted in in, in good old college football sometimes. He's just so. a bad. It was a terrible delivery of the joke. It was horrible. It was yeah. I, he, I, he, I knew the joke. I knew yeah. what he was trying to do, and I was like, oh, no, don't do it. No. Yeah. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Same, exact same. When he started in about execution, I was like, is he really going to try to pull this John McKay line? <laughs> and he did not do it well. He did not do it well. Yeah, stick to coaching football. All right. I'm anti-death penalty. I don't even know what to do. What do, we, do you have to be? Uh, all right. Let's get to the rest of this because, my God, what a weekend. What a glorious, <laughs> absolutely – Fabulous show at times. <laughs> Horrible performances. We already have a coach retiring. <laughs> you know, they did bad for pod business to have Randy Edsel retire. The defending national champion, UConn Husky, Randy Edsel is retiring at the end of the year after he lost the Holy Cross. Uni New England United, as spokesman for the UMass team, we no longer want to associate with UConn. We want the Holy Cross Crusaders. He New felt England Ted United. Lasso coming. Ted Lasso was coming for his job. He just got out <laughs> anyway. of the way. Randy gets $2,000 bonus for re re retiring before Labor Day. <laughs> you know how hard it is to get fired as a college football coach before Labor Day? <laughs> I want to say Southern Mrs. Coach got off before September last year. It was Jay one Hopson, game. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They lost Him on a Thursday and, um, to South Al. <laughs> yeah. Not Him bad. and Jack Crow at Arkansas who got whacked uh, for losing to the Citadel got, opener. But I, I, I think he made it to Labor Day. Oh, no. I think it might have been that day when he went out. Um, because it was that weekend. I want this in the, the dash. Pre-Labor Day Royals. firings. Yes. Because yes. this is a firing. You don't just all of a sudden decide to retire. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, anyway, enough UConn. Uh, the big game was one you both were at. Georgia Clemson turned into a defensive slugfest. Literally, the only touchdown was de de defense. Georgia won. Uh, and then the other one on Saturday, I thought Pete tied them all together pretty well, was obviously Alabama trucking Miami. 
thoughts on on those two those kind of the signature games of going in of of Saturday Pat on uh yeah. on those on those two results bookend just you know stultifying defensive bludgeoning suffocatings with uh Wisconsin Penn State early and Georgia Clemson late but I mean, both those games were hard watches, and I watched all of them. One I was at, and the other one I watched in my hotel room. It's it's interesting to me to see a Georgia team, and they weren't necessarily built to just be a defensive sledgehammer. Certainly they were going to be better on defense than on offense, but I think the thought was we've got really good running backs, we've got a good offensive line, and now we have the quarterback, JT Daniels, and we've got some guys for him to throw to. And then all the guys to throw to got hurt, or in the case of Eric Gilbert, have just, you know, had some issues and gone away. And they look like a Kirby Smart team that needs to try to win 14 to 13 or 10 to 3, uh, as the case may be. And they're good enough. Look, I mean, they are good enough, they're, especially if you look at that schedule, they could they could win 14 to 13 or 10 to 3 from now until December. And then they'll play Alabama, and things could be very different. Uh, but they 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 don't look like a team that can win a national championship to me. But they look like a team that can go twelve and zero because I look at the schedule uh, and I look at their talent. So Alabama, I mean, it's it, I, and I, let me own this up front. My picks were terrible, but the worst, the most <laughs> irredeemably stupid pick I have ever made. <laughs> And Pete called me on it, and Pete was right, was to pick Miami in the 18 and a half. We, I mean, we laughed God. at you when you made it. I know. I know. Absolutely lambasted me, and you were right. It was a terrible pick. I was I, right all weekend. I think you I two owe me a case of beer. I hokum about Miami, and I believe, you know, like, oh, they're going to – Alabama's going to struggle and transition new quarterback. Yeah, right, whatever. They're just going to run over everybody. I mean, there's so much talent. It's unbelievable. I just, was, since you brought it up, I went 7-0-1. You owe me a case of beer right now, I think. I think I've closed <laughs> you out. Magic number. 7-0-1? Did you have Boise? <laughs> magic he magic yeah, numbered you, Boise. Pat. <laughs> he magic numbered you on uh on what day is it? Uh August, no, September 6th. You got magic numbered on September 6th. You and Edsel got It is going to be finished. a while. Pat's going to have to Pat's going to have to fight back. That's uh, Yeah, you, you and Edsel happen. got done on the same day. <laughs> so just send the beer right now. Just me and Randy Edsel got got. We yeah, both got got on the Saturday of Memorial Day. Problem weekend. is Pat doesn't have Drizzly, so he's going to have to send a check to your local liquor store. They'll deliver you the it. beer by carrier pigeon. Yeah. By the time <laughs> yeah. I get it, it'll be the day I'm I end gave of the season. Wetzel $100 in cash in the Detroit airport before the Tokyo uh, Olympics to pay off uh, last year's. I drank uh, that before we got to <laughs> on the plane. All right, Pete, your thoughts on the uh, on the Georgia Alabama Clemson situation? Part of what I wrote in the column was like, this is this is why as these administrators are tromping around saying they don't like the process of the playoff and the playoff is was constructed by an axis of evil that had inside information. Like we need the playoff expanded. We need some hope. We need some optimism. And I wrote this in my column from the game on Saturday night. I'm not going to sit here and say Alabama's going to win the national title, but if I had to bet Alabama or field right now, I'm taking Alabama. Right. I mean, uh, Bill O'Brien is a better offensive coach than Steve Sarkeesian. Sorry. He is. 
All right. I know people didn't like Bill O'Brien as a general manager and he traded DeAndre Hopkins. I don't even think it's close, quite frankly. I, I think Bill O'Brien is an elite play caller. And I think the way that offense transitioned from Sark to Bill O'Brien was about as and it is the same offense. Like Nick Saban just cycles through those guys like Dan cycles through Bush Light. But at the end of the day, they are yeah. going to do the True. they are going to do the same thing. Yeah, and I think this is going to be an all-time marauding Alabama defense. Uh, I was talking to Charlie Strong a couple days before the game, the uh, old Alabama, I guess QC, whatever you want to call it, and whatever, and he thought this was going to really be one of their better defenses that uh, that, that they've had through there. He was in the building last year. Uh, and I, uh, it's just, and then you look at both Clemson and Georgia right now, like, you couldn't walk away from that game with big-picture optimism. And isn't that, like, a telling portrait of where we are in the sport right now? Georgia could easily go 12-0, and although they have all the trappings of a Georgia team that's going to throw up on themselves because they don't have skill and explosive plays, skill on the outside and explosive plays. So Georgia could 12-0, and and we would think they basically would have no chance in the SEC title game. That's that's about where the season is right now as we, uh, as we have it. And so the issue with Georgia is – Obviously, they just don't have dynamic playmakers on the outside. Obviously, Pickens is hurt. Pickens has been hurt. We don't know if he'll be back. There were a uh, couple guys coming off injury, two receivers who were productive last year, who Smart hopes to ramp up, if you will, and and maybe get back rolling in uh, Jermaine Burton and uh, Kiaris Jackson. But here's my quibble with Georgia quickly before I go to Clemson. Like, who are they on offense right now? Like it just like when you think of the elite teams, you can kind of close your eyes and like when I watched UCF, I was like, "This is Gus Malzahn." All right, for better or for worse, it was like, "Yes, there's a little drag route with the tight end. There's the smoke and the pre-snap, and there is a an identity of who they are and what they're built to." I have not seen that with with Georgia and and then Clemson's offensive line just stinks. There's really no way to say it. They just got absolutely mauled. Neither team really established the run. Now, some of it's because there's very good defensive fronts. And also, Clemson could win the rest of their games. I would expect them to. But that offensive line is not the caliber of an offensive line that can win you a playoff game. And that is just a glaring fight. Like, the quarterback position... When they got skunked in that uh, in that Sugar Bowl against Alabama, it was like a glaring five you know five alarm need, and they fixed it. The offensive line is that now. You can ask Florida State, right? That is the hardest position group to radically change in a short period of time. They knew it was last season after the Ohio State game. They knew it was bad, and it was it was it had been a liability all season. And I'll be curious what NC State can do against it in late September. That's their most difficult game left, which I'm sure all all of our fans in SEC country will be howling at that note. Oh, NC State! Oh, what a tough matchup. But um, NC State goes to Starkville. They're not bad. No, they're not bad. They're not bad. They go to Starkville this week, so we'll get a little glimpse of them against competition. But those are my – that's my take from from them. It's Alabama and everybody else right now. And that can change, and I hope it changes because that's no fun, but that's where we are. Look to me like Clemson has taken a step back. Their recruiting has been very good, but has not been at the Georgia level. But Georgia's got no explosive players. I agree. Alabama looked ridiculous. And, you know, excellent point on Bill O'Brien. Since 2007, Bill O'Brien has either been part of the New England Patriots, where he won, he's Tom Brady's quarterback coach and offense quarter, or he was the head coach at Penn State, where he did an admirable job under terrible circumstances. As a coach at Houston, he got fired mainly 
because he's a terrible GM. Five of his six first years were winning seasons. He made the playoffs four times. He went 11 and five and then 10 and six. They were up 21 0 on the Chiefs yes. in a, in yes, a divisional game. And Mahomes came back and beat him, and they went on and won the Super Bowl. They had him beat. Uh, guy can coach. So you just add him as your offensive coordinator. My God. Uh, this is an elite-level coach, uh, particularly at the college level, with elite-level talent and Saban and, and uh, yeah, roll tide. So we'll move on. U- UCLA-LSU was a huge game for both teams. We talked about this for weeks. Coach O shows up, walks into the stadium. He's wearing a nice suit. He's kind of always dressed up. He's feeling good about himself. Then he called some UCLA fan, uh, said his shirt was sissy blue. Big ass on you, little sissy blue shirt. <laughs> I think the guy wasn't taking any of that smoke, but <laughs> Coach O felt good about his sissy blue shirt comment until the sissy blues pushed the the go tiger all over the field. Uh, dreadful performance by LSU. Great performance by UCLA, but let's start with the negative because that's what we're all about. I mean, they just got manhandled. Uh, yeah, that's uh, when when we use the phrase "we coming." Uh, with LSU, they it might be the administration coming for Ed Orgeron uh, if this thing doesn't turn around. This uh, I've I've made the Gene Chizik comparison. I don't know, like eight times on the podcast. Let's make it nine. We fired because, him in the uh, opener last year. By the way, we did, when uh, Mississippi State beat him, we put him on the hot yeah. seat. In yeah, <laughs> we did. I mean, Pat might as well and have asked him if he was going to become Gene Chizik after they won the national title in the press conference. <laughs> And nice game by Joe Burrow. Do you plan on becoming Gene Chizik 2.0? <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow's walking out that door. I don't know. Joe Brady is too. Yes. Will you be Gene Chizik from now on? Remember that and weird we- bomber jacket type thing that Gene Chizik used to always wear? Yeah, oh, like yeah. Those, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The bad leather jacket. The bad yeah. leather sleeves. <laughs> it's like, what? Where'd you get that thing? <laughs> they still make those? I Look. Everything about Gene Chizik was bad except for one thing. He got Cam Newton. Yeah. We don't even have to go into how he got Cam <laughs> Newton, but he got Cam Newton. Who was that the, Mahler defensive was lineman the, who was a Juco who became a bust? The Lions picked uh, him. Nick. Was it Nick? Nick uh, Fairley. Fairley. Nick, Nick Fairley. Fairley, yeah. Nick Fairley, yeah. He was the best player on the field in that national title game. Oh, oh he was, he was, he was, sw- un- he he was unstoppable Oregon until hole. he got the league. Oh. Yep. Blowing up the line. Yeah. But... No, I mean, look, they, I mean, they've got a still, they have major defensive issues. They, you know, Bo Pelini was a complete bust, but getting rid of Bo Pelini clearly didn't fix everything. And they took a big swing and a miss on uh, Ryan Nielsen from uh, the Saints. They wanted to hire him as defensive coordinator, and the Saints basically said, no, you can't have him. Uh, held him contractually, and then they gave him, you know, a promotion and that sort of thing. That defense has not been fixed. You know, I mean, UCLA had its way. And look, all credit to Chip Kelly and to the creativity that, you know, they're coming at you with right now. I mean, his offense looks fun and imaginative, and they've got people on their heels worried about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But you still, you should have better dudes on defense than UCLA has on offense. And they're not schemed that way. They're not aligned and they're not executing the way they should be. And you know, when you, when you, if you're at Orgeron and you're a CEO guy, you're, you're the guys you're delegating to it better be damn good. And right now they don't look very good. 
Well, one of Orgeron's problems over the years and why he's been a really difficult guy to work for, and people have generally not liked working for Ed Orgeron at multiple stops, is unless they are an undefeated freight train like that 19 team, Orgeron is like an indecisive meddler and doesn't like the, the great leaders that I've been around in college sports have like a very clear direction and then innate ability to gather everyone, go in the same motion and achieve goals. There's like a clear directive and then they guide everyone towards that directive. It's like cheesy leadership book 101, but it's harder to, it's much harder to do than it is to say. That is not Ed Orgeron. He's not a good decision maker. They, they, he wants to change everything. He wants to blow everything up, but he also doesn't really have the expertise to coordinate on either side of the ball. So he becomes an obstructionist in a way when things go sideways. And I don't have any insight into the last 48 hours in the LSU football offices, other than to say they have likely not been good. So we mock Texas A&M. We mock Texas A&M. They knew Chip was going to get a W. They had to lock up Jimbo. They might give him another raise. <laughs> might need to. Uh, they got McNeese Central Michigan. And then there's McNeese Central Michigan. Mississippi State, Auburn, and then at Kentucky. I mean, there's time to, at least they're not walking into a meat grinder after that. Uh, so they do have a little time. See what Coach O comes up with. I don't think he's going to resign. And then obviously for, for Chip, amazing victory. And part of that is the, the program looked really good. That's why I was kind of bullish on them, is, is they looked when they beat Hawaii, which is not a good team, but they looked like how you would expect a Chip Kelly a good Chip Kelly team to beat Hawaii. And this looked like a, what a good Chip Kelly team would do to LSU. Uh, the run game was astounding. Uh, DTR played a lot better and obviously way more physical. And then to their advantage, the Pac-12 uh, just oh. is, is just a dumpster fire. I mean... Holy crap. The Pac-12 North, my God. Yeah. Uh, we got... Uh, I mean, well, yeah, Kansas State destroy Stanford. The Stanford program is just bottomed out. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how. But it has. Uh, we can get to them later. Oregon is was in a dogfight with Fresno, uh, who I think is a good team. So You I picked guess, it. That was a great pick. That was a good pick, but we'll give them credit. Purdue beats Oregon State. Montana defeats Washington. Washington's heading into this supposed showdown game against Michigan. And they get beat by Montana, who has totally cornered the, you know, Great Falls recruiting market. And there's a much better team, I know. But that's the Bozeman said, pipeline. Yeah, the doing pipeline. well in southern or southern Canada. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Utah State beats Washington State. BYU beats Arizona. Nevada beats Cal. Like what? Good Lord. The only saving grace is most of these games are on the Pac-12 network, so no one saw them. <laughs> this alliance is like, wait a minute. What did we just sign up for? No wonder we didn't sign a contract. They should get the big sky in there. The big 10 wants to get with the big sky. They won three games. The big yeah. sky conference won three games over D1s this, this week. Yeah, yeah. We'll give them some love. Better Old than Fred the Dan Hawkins. Dan the Hawkster getting it done at UC Davis? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. This is I worse mean, than I thought, and I wasn't expecting much out of you guys. <laughs> Shape up. <laughs> outside this of Los Angeles. This is how Angeles. I lecture my children. This is how I like outside yeah. of you know Outside of Los Angeles, where even USC wasn't that great, but they won 
30 the to score seven. ended up looking good against San Jose. Who's San Jose is pretty good. You know, Colorado still, they, also won. I mean, they beat Northern Colorado, but hell, by Pac-12 standards, it's a no. There's 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 major major issues in that league. Major. Pete had a great story. I mean, about the uh, the starting quarterbacks for the top five teams are all from the Pac-12 footprint, and none of them play in the Pac-12, and that's gets to you know the part of the problem here. I mean, two of them USC's, were in a duel that did not produce any. Offensive touchdowns now, mind you. <laughs> yes. So, I'm not sure. Yes. 100% true. I mean, yes. We're not yeah. ready to say uh, DJ and, and JT are, you know, going to New York. They could have lost to Montana, ceremony. too, possibly. But go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. But no, that I mean, they're not the only guys that have. I mean, it's not just quarterbacks that are leaving the West Coast to go elsewhere. But, I mean, you've got to perform. You When you get the chance in these sort of games, you – you t- got to take care of business. You may have one or two losses, you know, to to non-power five or maybe one to an FCS, but to, to have the Pac-12 North almost completely wiped out in one week other than Oregon hanging on or rallying to beat Fresno, that's really, really bad. So I'm going to start with the Bruins quickly. Uh, I've obviously been the off-mocked leader of the Chip Kelly bandwagon. Now, I did not pick him in either game this week, so I, I can't give myself See, so too much credit. You, you, so, you canceled did. your bandwagoning. I did. <laughs> I did, too. Well, I did, too. They, they, were, they were getting points against uh, against LSU, and, um, yeah, I just didn't think they'd, they'd, they'd boat race Hawaii like that. So credit to the Bruins. The Bruins are now the favorites to win the Pac-12, in my opinion. USC looked a little sluggish. Uh, God, they had beat USC beat last year. I don't know if you remember that game. So I really feel like only Chip Kelly could be what? 12 and 21. And Clay Helton's won like 65%, 70% of his game, something like that. And, and there's like searing momentum for Chip. And everyone's everyone's monitoring uh, Clay, Clay Helton's asbestos pants. Um, as, as for the rest of the league, I don't know. Uh, we've said this about Stanford on the pod before. said about Michigan State. If your identity is power football and you don't win the point of attack, like you might as well pack up the tent and go because you just don't you don't have a chance. You don't have the creativity. You don't have the mis- you don't have any other way to win. But basically bowling people over. And I did not watch much of that Stanford game. Great pick by Sully. But I don't really think this Stanford team seemingly has the will to bowl people over. Now, there have been David Shaw teams that have struggled early and gotten better. Uh, but boy. That was a discouraging, discouraging performance by Stanford. And remember, maybe seven, eight years ago, Pat, where the like the Pac-12 North was like a power league, right? I mean, yeah. when you had you had Oregon really rolling, you had Stanford really rolling, and Washington's always been uh, always been strong. The Washington loss is pretty concerning, and and it, it brings up a bigger point that I think is kind of interesting in our last eight months of conversation, fodder, prediction were all based on a very flawed sample set. Washington played four games last year, uh, won three of them, beat Oregon. They played all four games at home, and they were also playing other flawed sample sets. I can't tell you I sat and watched a lot of Washington football, all right? But I do think that, like, we're still thinking of this as Chris Peterson's Washington. It's a completely different wash. There's a lot of skepticism around the offensive coordinator hire of John Donovan, who struggled at Penn State under James Franklin, and then Penn State soared when John Donovan left, Joe Moorhead, Oregon's offensive coordinator, was uh, was the the replacement there, and they uh, they took off like a rocket ship. That Saquon Barkley character helped them some. Trace McSorley was obviously a great college baller, 
So I just think like we didn't get a full season to be able to judge John Donovan. And now all of a sudden here he is and we have one full healthy sample size and it is not good. And that's, that's concerning. And that could be the first early crossroads of Jimmy Lake's career. Cause if you are a defensive coach, that is the only hire that matters that you make. You need that offensive coordinator. You need the play caller. You need that offensive identity. And I think he wanted a pro guy so bad because he was in the NFL that it might have obscured getting the best guy or getting the guy that fit. So, again, it's early, but, boy, seven points against Montana. That really cries for uh, something. Seven happened. points against an FCS team. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. <With it. laughs> yeah. Even you fired him at halftime. Uh, and look, it could have been worse. They could have been Vanderbilt, where they only scored three. Yeah, three against yeah. FCS. Uh, but that's Vanderbilt. You expect it oh, out of Vanderbilt. God, was that bad? And they had a 99 yard, uh, was it a pick six called back because the Vanderbilt Vanderbilt played uh, ETSU. It got called back because he was taunting. <laughs> you should no. be allowed to so taunt. It could have been 30 to three. Are you serious? I think so. Yeah, I think there was that play. I'll look it up in the next time you guys are talking. All right. There was a, if you're in the FCS and you you're allowed to taunt the other guy. You are allowed to taunt. <laughs> you are. Not be a penalty. All right. Um, Utah and Arizona State actually both they won fine. So that's pretty much the hope is just no one noticed. But Washington has to play at Michigan. I'm certainly not here to crown Michigan as some great team, but they did play really good defense and ran the ball well. Like that's 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 not what Washington needs to go go handle right now. If you if you can score seven against if I if I'm Michigan, I'm feeling a lot better about that game going out. I mean, can we do what Montana did? You gotta go on the road at night into the big house. Michigan's defense looked pretty good and, and they ran the ball very well. All right, the Big Ten. There's so many. I mean, this weekend was just crazy. We're not gonna get all this stuff. But the two big results in the Big Ten, let's get to quickly. Because we got other, we'll, we'll, we got to get to this. Um, obviously, we could go till sunrise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. It's literally crazy. I talk. I mean, the Maryland West Virginia game was so entertaining. I mean, you know, anything. But anyway, Penn State beats Wisconsin, walks in there, wins the game. Huge result there. Uh, and Iowa just crushes Indiana. They just curb stomped them right off the bat. Like, oh, aren't you the cute team getting all the pub? Oh, you guys are talking. Yeah. I told you Iowa. My Iowa was my pick for the Big Ten West, and they look, that's looking real smart right now. Thoughts on those two? Uh, we're obviously going to talk a ton of Iowa, Iowa State later in the week. So, Penn State, Wisconsin. I'll give Penn State credit for their, their defense played very well, and they just were really they were tough and resourceful. And when they got their opportunities, they made something of it. But my God, does Wisconsin blow that game? Holy moly. I mean, you're just going to drop two handoffs inside the 10-yard line. Just, I mean, it's not like it was a great play by Penn State. It's like, I'm trying to hand you the ball and I'm going to drop it. Or I'm going to hand it off of your chest up here where you can't, like, incredible. False start on the one-yard line. Blocked field goal. Now, okay, maybe the kid made a great play to block it. But, I mean, the number of just ungodly, horrible mistakes, look, I don't want to pile on Graham Mertz. Uh, he play, is playing like a guy who, to me, looks like he is feeling a lot of pressure and his confidence is shot. I, I, I kind of have the feeling that Lovey Smith's one and only 
impact on the Big Ten West was to play so badly against Graham Mertz <laughs> that Wisconsin said, that's our guy. And because since then, he look, Graham Mertz was like 19 of 20 with five touchdowns against them in the season opener last year. Since then, you look at his numbers, they do not compare to that. He made a lot of mistakes in that game against Penn State. I, I just and Jack Cohn. So Jack Cohn leaves and is now the quarterback at Notre Dame and threw for 366 yards. Things are not piling, are not adding up real well at quarterback for uh, Wisconsin right now. And now maybe you know what? Maybe Jack Cohn would have played the same way in that position because here's the one thing about Wisconsin: doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they all tend to look about the same. Not real good <laughs> in terms of like dynamic big play, any of that stuff. So. I look at this and say, hey, Penn State, congratulations. Very nice, resourceful win. But, oh, my God, Wisconsin, did you blow that game? Now, uh, to your point real quickly, Iowa looked great. Iowa should be the favorite in the Big Ten West at this point. Uh, if I were doing a four-team playoff, I'd put Iowa in it probably at this point because uh, I think they were that good against Indiana. Now, maybe Indiana sucks. Maybe Indiana was the paper tiger that, that – Pete, I know, thought was going to be, and Dan, I think you might have suspected as well. I was stupid enough to pick him. Iowa, to me, looks really, really <laughs> impressive right now. I have to just interject and say I was looking forward to taunting Pat about his picks in the press box Saturday night in Charlotte, but he did such a good job eviscerating himself about how bad it went that I really didn't <laughs> yeah. have the heart to like pile on. Like I didn't yeah. even have to. I was like, all right, all right, you know, you know, your picks are awful. Yeah, you know, your picks are awful. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> when they're that bad, <laughs> fall on your sword, man. Yes. Don't yes. wait for somebody else to knife you. I have now watched the video of the East Tennessee State 99-yard pick six. ETSU defensive back. I'm going to probably pronounce the last name wrong. Karan Dullins. I don't know. Sorry. Great play, dude. <laughs> Number four. You're awesome. Pick gets the, uh, gets the ball. 99-yard run. He gets flagged. The final 20, he's so far in front of the <laughs> SEC speed. Oh, my God. He holds the ball aloft like the Statue of Liberty for the last 20 <laughs> yards until the five when he turns and backpedals into the end zone. If you're a 1AA FCS cornerback and you're backpedaling in to the end zone on a 99-yard pick six, so that got called back. That must have been the time Vandy finally got their field goal, or this thing would have been 30-zip. That is a shame. That kid deserves the touchdown, man. Maybe I will give my small sample size. Yeah. I do like taunting. We know that. <laughs> I mean, unless unless he like pulls his pants down, Randy Moss style, like you can't take away a 99-yard <laughs> pick six. He just backpedals into the end zone. There's nobody to taunt because the Vander <laughs> plays is so slow. They're not even near him. <laughs> the guy's at the 30. How He couldn't even hear that far. All right. The, the uh, funniest part about this is there's going to be like five major things we forgot to talk ah, about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because oh, this yeah, is sure. so much. Uh, all right. We got to do. Uh, it's time for the small sample Heisman. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? They hand out the Heisman at the end of the year. We can't wait. Uh, we like prefer to give one out each week. So this is our small sample Hivesman. I am going to Michigan State, which was terrible last year in its first year under Mel Tucker. And really wasn't very good the year before that. But they had a nice transfer portal pickup 
in the name of Kenneth Walker III, running back from uh, Wake Forest, came in, 23 carries, 264 yards, four touchdowns. Great win for Mel Tucker and for the Spartans at Northwestern, which, I mean, we know we knew Northwestern lost a lot from last year, but my God. Go from winning the Big Ten West to getting trucked at home by the team a lot of people thought was the worst in the Big Ten East in Michigan State. So, but anyway, congratulations to Michigan State. Congratulations to Kenneth Walker. Small sample Heisman, 264 in your first game in a Michigan State uniform. I am going to go to Club Lit. I went to UNC Charlotte, or Charlotte as they're known now. Friday night, the night before the Alabama-Clemson game, I saw the mighty 49ers take down uh, Duke, first one over Power 5 school uh, in in school history. And I saw, for the first time, Grant DuBose, my small sample Heisman winner play. A year ago at this time, Grant DuBose was playing for Division II Miles College in Alabama, which I have to say, I'd never heard of Miles College. Have you guys ever heard of Miles College? Yes. I have okay. not. Yeah, I don't so think Miles I have. College is in is is in Alabama. I'm not heard of. They're a pretty good. They're a pretty good uh, D2 program, and they their their fall season was canceled last year. It's in Fairfield, Alabama, and so Grant Dubose a year ago at this time was working at Walmart. If you send in your online grocery uh, order, Grant Dubose was in Walmart doing it. He also had two other jobs at a commissary and a military base and at a manufacturing plant. Anyway, goes in the portal. Charlotte's backup quarterback works out with him in Montgomery and recommends him to the Charlotte coaching staff. They fall in love with him. One year after after wearing a blue vest, he has two touchdowns, four catches, 118 yards. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great story on a great performance. And my favorite part of interviewing Grant DuBose was he actually referred to Montgomery as the city. <laughs> the other quarterback was from the city. <laughs> All right. I am going to go to uh, Blacksburg and uh, Virginia Tech. I'm going to give it to Braxton Burmeister, the quarterback for the Hokies. 12 of 19 for 169 and one touchdown passing. Nine carries for 42 yards and another touchdown uh, on the ground. And more importantly, put some life in a program that everyone thought was dead, at least everyone on this podcast, uh, outdueling potential number one NFL draft pick, Sam Howell, and leading the Hokies to a 17-10 victory over North Carolina. We will see uh, where it goes, but literally could be the turnaround of a program right there. Really a team win, but uh, quarterback gets all the glory. So congratulations, Braxton. You win my small sample Heisman. All right. We have said plenty of mean things on this podcast, as is our want. We actually weren't even as negative as we often are. But this is the time of the pod. got a soft. Yeah. This is when we try to carve out a little time to say something nice about someone. And sometimes we actually do. Pat Forty, can you say something nice? Okay. I'm going to say something nice about a program that went through a bit of hell last week. Uh, thanks to Hurricane Ida, Tulane displaced out of New Orleans. Uh, you know, incredible storm that blew through there, power out. 
fortunately, nowhere near as bad as Katrina was because they were more prepared for a catastrophic hurricane this time. But still, a major, major thing that sent them literally like away from their dorms, their homes, everything to uh, to Alabama, relocated with their pets to the Birmingham Sheraton Civic Center. And if you've stayed there, it ain't the Ritz, because uh, I, I have. Uh, anyway, Tulane goes through all that and then has their home game. They're like this huge home game against Oklahoma relocated to Norman. So it's a becomes a road game. They go in there and they damn near beat an Oklahoma team that a lot of people think is going to the playoff. Uh, they got up early. They fell behind. They came back. They had the ball at the end of the game. They scored to get within five points. They onside kick. They recover. They are driving. Uh, their quarterback, who was fantastic, Michael Pratt, in that game, uh, scrambles on like a fourth and 12 and comes up about a foot short of getting the first down, and they lose the game there. But what a great effort. Unbelievable the way Tulane you know, just kind of overcame all of that and nearly pulled off the biggest shocker of the weekend. So I am uh, all in on saying good job, Willie Fritz, Michael Pratt, and everyone else at Tulane. So I can't say that Oklahoma's defense uh, vied with Mac Brown for winning the offseason and then losing it immediately. That would be nice. <laughs> um, no, pretty good, be. though. I mean, you can. I am. So I'm going to say a, something it's a, nice. It's a suggestion. It's not a, it's not <laughs> okay. a hard fast rule. It's not an, an edict. It's yeah, not right. a mandate. Usually, we, yeah. We won't last. Pat and I will not follow this rule for long. I am going to say something nice about the Blue Hose, our friends at Presbyterian College, the single smallest Division I university by enrollment. They hired Kevin Kelly, the coach who doesn't punt or rarely punts from Arkansas. He won a boatload of state titles there. What does he do? He goes and hangs, it was an 84 spot. Is that right? I think it was 84 points. Yes. And his quarterback throws for a modest 10 touchdown passes. He was, of course, a Michigan <laughs> transfer. Now, he was a walk-on, obviously, at Michigan. And uh, he came back and uh, yeah, just happened to roll out 10 touchdowns. No big deal. So I texted him Saturday night and I said, hey, congrats on the win. Yep. What'd you find different in the college game? He'd been a high school coach his whole career, never coached in college. And he said, well, it's 12 minutes longer. Gives more teams both time to score. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the Kevin Kelly. Math. Oh, yes. Yes. Kevin Kelly. Well, when you're at Presbyterian. You're probably trying to draw some attention. And Kevin Kelly succeeded by drawing attention. That guy can coach, man. I'm sorry. Like, I, I they're not like going to go undefeated or anything and win the title. But like, that's uh, that, that guy knows. He knows a little bit of an X and a little bit of an O. He's also an alpha, too. He's like a tatted up, kind of like rocked up weightlifting guy he's not what you'd think is like like a, like an analytic sort of pencil pusher uh with his sort of his unconventional ways so we will keep watching coach kelly and we'll say something nice about you every week your quarterback throws for double digit touchdowns it's a promise yeah if you throw 10 you get in there um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you keep playing like this it will rekindle my my potential tra uh a conversion to presbyterianism uh, I was so excited about the hire. Remember that? <laughs> then a bunch of Presbyterian yes. ministers started contacting me. I'm like, yeah, no. I hope I, I hope I hear from the Presbyterian minister again who contacted yeah. us. No, yeah. I don't. All right. Well, I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna go sappy, and I'm just gonna say something nice about how awesome it was to have full on college football and and fans in the stands. Uh, I actually attended the Western Michigan Michigan game as a fan. 
was not planning on it. It was Friday. Had nothing to do on Saturday. Friend was going. My daughter wanted to go. We said, let's go to the game. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, the tail, the enthusiasm at the tailgate, the people who hadn't, who normally tailgate near each other and hadn't seen each other in, you know, uh, nearly two years, the, the sheer getting into the stadium and just being there with a hundred thousand other people and the, the, the sense of normalcy of it, all of the just incredible scenes we had from the weekend, you know, enter Sandman, jump around back in black at Iowa, uh, UCLA did that California love with a light show. They, they're kind of getting their thing going. Michigan at Michigan, the students sing their, their little tradition is the students sing uh, Mr. Brightside, the song by the killers, which is a bizarre one to sing because it's really not that easy to sing. Is this like sweet Caroline? <laughs> like it's a hard song for a crowd to sing. Right. The yeah. Try the try like hard. Terrible song. They do at Duke basketball. It's, yeah. it's not that one, but yeah. The tryhards at Michigan decide that they're going to they're going to sing a hard song. But it was awesome. It was awesome. They did it. And it was just like, you know what? The kids, they had a full house. They had uh, they had all, I don't know, whatever, 15, 17, 18,000 seats. They were there. The kids, students were there. It was just great. You know, that the 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 environment from uh, Tallahassee Sunday night, uh, college football's back. Go back, get back to it. Watch it. Uh, enjoy all the parts that uh, that make it so special. And, uh, you know, credit to everyone for getting through last season. But, man, this is so much better. This is so much better. So that's it. I got nothing negative. Dan, about are that. you okay? That was, like, awfully sentimental and unsentimental. It really was. was you, I'm telling you, Mackenzie Milton and, and fans in the stands just, like, turned us into wimps here. But I know. Okay. <laughs> Tearing up. Blue-shirted sissies. Blue shirted sissies. That's a blue shirted today. Uh, We'll be back with normal snark later in the week. (laughs) Iowa State, big game. See what you got. We will play the AIM song for sure. Uh, Oh, God. And uh, we'll get everything else going as we get into week two. So keep trying. We're going to buy some of those AIM's water shirts. How much is that? Like, uh, we'll get to it. We're going to get to the tap water. Plenty of time. This squad's (laughs) going to it. I have questions. I have questions. Still baffled. We're going to break. We'll do a full breakdown of the song. Hooray. <laughs> the emergency pod America didn't know they needed. <laughs> a full breakdown of the song. Yes. Stanza by stanza breakdown. After the we play Green that thing, song. you're going to wish we sat around and sang Mr. Brightside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, Rolling Stone and, and stuff. Uh, yeah, when they, they break down every every piece of lyrics. That's what does the songwriter mean by yeah. only 20 minute commute to work? <laughs> Seriously, channeling how his heartbreak. He had an internship in Chicago, and it took forever to get around. And so he moved in. It's a deep, deep. Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's two twenty-three a.m. We're done here. Uh, yeah, hooray! We're done. Talk to you guys later.